0: You're listening to the Department of Energy Joint Genome Institute's Natural Podcast, a podcast about natural products and the science and scientists of secondary metabolism. Hey there, this is Dan again. You're about to listen to the third and final part of Natural Podcast Primer episodes. This is the third part, so if this is the first episode you're checking out, you probably want to go back and listen to the first two parts so you can understand what's happened so far in the conversation between me and Allison. Uh, In the previous episodes, we talked about the basic science and the history of the field of natural products or secondary metabolism, depending on which term you prefer. Uh, In this episode, we're going to finish up by talking about the modern post-Golden Age history of natural products discovery. And we'll talk a lot about the current state of things and what we're hoping to accomplish at JGI in this area. Uh, If this series of podcasts has sparked your interest and you want to learn more, then I highly recommend David Hopwood's book called uh, Streptomyces in Nature and Medicine. It's obviously focused more on the bacterial side of the field, and it's a little hard to find in print, but we live in the information age, and the ebook version is available at most online sellers. Um, I think it's as accessible as anything in this field and uh, written pretty close to the level of technical detail that I think we're doing here, so it should be a good fit. If you have suggestions for others, feel free to let me know by emailing jgi coms or jgi comms at lbl.gov or reaching out on Twitter to at JGI or me at Dan Udwary, uh, at D-A-N-U-D-W-A-R-Y. Like I said in the intro to the first episode, after this we're going to be spending some time talking to some great scientists who all have really interesting stories and very cool research. I hope you stick around, but for now, here's episode three of The Primer. So... um, you know, in the in the 50s, 60s, 70s, m- most of the exploration of this is done by what's called find and grind. So mm. you would find some new source that you hadn't explored before, like, uh, you know, maybe it's a new culture of a new bacteria that you pulled from the soil. Maybe it's, uh, you know, we talked about sponges, mm-hmm, um, right. go pull, pull a sponge or extract some tree bark.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and so
0: you're just taking something, you, you're grinding it up and then exposing that extract to... Uh, uh, something that you want to try to target. So if you're trying to find an antibiotic, then you expose bacteria to your extract. And hopefully Mm -hmm. if you see the bacteria dying, then you know you've got an antibiotic and it might Mm -hmm. be useful.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But there there are, you know, and so that was great for a while, uh, but it's not,
2: uh, mm-hmm. it's
0: not everything. So um, finding new sources is, is somewhat problematic. And there's a, there's a whole process to this that can be really time consuming because you need to, uh, you know, produce a, a, first an extract of, of the thing that you're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not too hard. But um, then you need to test it. Some of the testing might be hard, depending on how you're doing the testing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a successful test, then you need to go back to your extract and try to purify the molecule that's causing mm-hmm. that, that test to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't um, – drugs are usually single molecules. They are not uh, extracts. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, in order to, to, to sell a drug, you usually need a pure compound. Right. You need to understand intimately what that's doing so mm-hmm. you know it's not doing harm and there aren't side effects.
1: Yeah, I guess you do something like a – like a gas chromatographer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that involves figuring out the structure of that pure molecule. Uh, and that can, that can take a long time depending on uh, how the purification goes. Uh-huh. Uh, in order to be a drug, you also nowadays usually need to know what the target of the drug is. What oh, is the yeah. drug actually hitting in the body and, and what effects is it causing?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a very long process. And then finally, if, if all of that still works and you have a good target and a good drug and something that's easy to access and you can still make more of it, uh, then you start going into human trials or, or animal trials first. Um, then right. going through all those trials is, you know, a very long, very expensive process. Mm-hmm. And so drug companies really needed ways to kind of short circuit that. And, and natural products wasn't necessarily cutting it. Um, mm-hmm. They they had this, you know, big curve uh, of of lots of new molecules being discovered, lots of new things making it to market. Uh, and they wanted to keep that, that trend
2: mm-hmm. the
0: same. But as you see, uh the, the number of new natural product molecules was was starting to to decline around mm-hmm. the seventies and it's really very very low these days. Mm-hmm. So maybe one or two or three natural product molecules might actually get to market in a year. Mm-hmm. And that would be a that would be a good thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah. high. Um
1: I mean I've heard some statistic about how few antibiotics I think have been introduced, um, yeah, Kind of since this golden age.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I can't remember exactly what the number was, but I want to say it was like less than 10 since, you know, a recent decade. Yeah, um,
0: I, I'm sure that's right. Uh, hey, Dan here. Just going to interject. Allison asked me to check her stat, and she was absolutely correct. Uh, since 2010, there have been eight new antibiotics uh, added to the market, um, and uh, we get to say that six of those are based on product structures.
2: Mm.
0: One of the things that keeps me awake at night, <laughs> worried about my kids' future, is mm. actually the number of antibiotics that we are not finding. Uh, we're we, we going to have more resistant bacteria. There are lots of resistant bacteria out there and some really bad infections that are, are killing more and more people. And uh, mm. we need more antibiotics to, to combat those. Mm. And we're not doing enough to do that. There are lots of reasons for that, mainly economic. But, um mm. Yeah. yeah, but natural products would be still be a good source for that. So yeah, in in order to keep this drug discovery train moving, mm-hmm. um, drug companies uh, started working on uh, with with um, some techniques called uh, referred to as combinatorial chemistry. And so uh, if you can picture um, some really simple chemical reactions where you're just Putting two units together in a Mm -hmm. a foolproof way, Mm -hmm. um, then if you imagine, say, if you had three pieces, like an A, a B, and a C, uh, you can make ABC very, very easily just by Mm
2: -hmm.
0: combining A and B and B and C. Gotcha. And Mm -hmm. you've got a new molecule, right? Yeah. And so, Mm -hmm. if you have a thousand A's and a thousand B's and a thousand C's, then uh, if you've got a robot that can do it all, you can make what's that? a, A billion molecules in an afternoon. And so mm. uh it was thought that combinatorial chemistry um, learning some of the lessons from natural products uh in terms of what kinds of chemical scaffolds you might ca- might want
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it was thought that that would be a good substitute for um, the long process of natural product based discovery mm-hmm. uh, right. turns out not the case you, as you say uh right. <laughs> not yeah. too many new it, drugs making it to market still yeah. uh and so um
1: yeah, so that was a lot of like a synthetic chemistry effort to create a bunch of novel compounds that actually didn't That's pan right. out. And,
0: and there are some successes, but mm-hmm. not not as many as as there were natural product hits.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sort of in parallel with that, uh, the field of molecular biology got more sophisticated around the '80s and the '90s, and mm-hmm. so we started to be able to explore uh, DNA sequencing and um, actually get to the DNA sequence. Uh, sequences for
2: mm-hmm. the
0: genes that code for the proteins that mm-hmm. produce secondary metabolites. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you recognize this? <laughs> is
1: this is a uh, central dogma, DNA, RNA to protein.
0: Yeah, this is the central dogma of molecular biology. And so DNA makes RNA makes protein. It's mm-hmm. something that's, you know, uh, <laughs> central, central to molecular <laughs> biology. It's, it's the, the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why they called it that um but to to for maybe people who are less familiar with central dogmas of molecular biology uh dna is the the storage medium uh for information in our cells and every living thing that we know of cells and and so when um uh, so you can think of, of DNA as maybe being similar to uh, – in a, in a, I used to use a computer analogy when I was teaching it to people who were outside the field. Mm. So, so DNA might be the, uh, the, the in installation disk you get for your software, the right? CD-ROM.
1: <laughs> I feel like you're dating yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally.
0: Uh <laughs>
1: CD-ROM. or Maybe, maybe DNA
0: mean, is the, you know, the Git repository for your software. Oh, there we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, so, so DNA is transcribed into RNA in the cell. Mm-hmm. That's, that's um, the, the message that uh, uh, comes from the DNA.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's the precursor to protein. Protein uh, is uh, then translated from RNA. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, so,
1: so, so in your computer analogy, yeah. though...
0: So then RNA might be the, the software after it's been stalled on your hard drive.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: And then the protein would be the software actually running in your computer's memory. Okay. So it's there and doing things, mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. And so uh, a subset of, of proteins are enzymes. Enzymes are proteins that do chemical reactions. Mm-hmm. And so secondary metabolites come from reactions... Um, Uh, Of enzymes and sometimes those are referred to as small molecules because Mm -hmm. proteins are actually molecules too, right? And Mm -hmm. so, in a biological context, um, natural products uh, and primary metabolites are going to be small molecules.
1: Mm. Gotcha. Uh,
0: And so, um, the reason I bring this up is because um, you know, as uh, as the technology developed and molecular biology developed to the point that you could understand the genetics of secondary metabolism. Uh, it became possible to do something that the field refers to as genome mining. Mm. So if you can sequence the DNA and actually recognize what's going on in the DNA, you can make predictions about what kinds of proteins uh, exist in a cell and and, um, identify those proteins that are enzymes that are doing the reactions to generate Mm. secondary metabolites.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Sounds easy enough. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well it, it is and it isn't uh it depends on on different systems of secondary metabolism and, and the mm-hmm. things that are in there so once you could sequence dna then it was just a matter of time before some uh secondary metabolism gets sequenced right mm-hmm. uh you know it took some time to get to the point of being able to sequence whole organisms, but eventually we got there. And um, mm-hmm. But before that, there had been lots of exploration of the genes that would encode secondary metabolism. Mm-hmm. People wanted to understand what those were and how related they were to primary metabolism. And as, as we discussed, they are very related. They're mm-hmm. you know, duplications and modifications. Um, but uh, one of the, the fun things that um, came out of investigating those genes is that it was found that most biosynthetic genes are found clustered in the Mm -hmm. DNA. And so um, if you can identify a gene that's likely to be involved in secondary metabolism uh, of of production, say, of a certain molecule, Mm -hmm. if you can find one of those genes often you can find all of the genes. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the real utilities uh, for for genome mining is is you can um, identify biosynthetic gene clusters relatively Mm -hmm. easily. And if you can do that, uh, and you can look at the the patterns in the genes and and all of the the details in that sequence, um, Mm -hmm. then you start to recognize patterns. And you Mm -hmm. recognize that secondary metabolism, you know, is also duplicated itself. And so... There's, um, you know, we've already said secondary metabolism is everywhere, but it turns out secondary metabolism systems are also everywhere, uh, mm. that there's some very s- uh, specific patterns and um, uh, shared DNA across all of these things. It turns out secondary oh. metabolism is, is very, very ancient uh, uh-huh. and um, has been shared for a long time by many, many bacteria
2: mm-hmm.
0: or uh, and fungi and plants.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so... Um, so, so that's the, the, the power and the promise of, I guess, the, the current age of cellular metabolism is that uh, it's very DNA-driven, sequence-driven, mm-hmm. yeah. um, because we can, we can find more things. Uh, it turns out if you, um, some of the early genomes that were sequenced for say, streptomyces, mm-hmm. they found far more secondary metabolism genes than mm-hmm. they were expecting to oh. uh, so y- you might know of like three or four or five molecules that you maybe had found and ground from your uh <laughs> from your cultures mm-hmm. but then you're going to find another 20 or 30 mm. secondary metabolism pathways that you didn't even know existed
2: right and
0: so um that gives you another way to uh you know if, if you know what to look for you might know something about how to turn it on and, mm-hmm. and, and um, how, to, how to actually get the molecules to be produced by the thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: sometimes mm. um, when we grow things in the lab, we're not growing them in the natural environment. We're not subjecting them to the environmental triggers that they might need to turn a pathway on. Right. Um, but uh, now that we have more technology, we can start to modify that and maybe tinker with the organism's DNA itself mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. So the power and the promise. And that's the age that we're living in now?
0: Yeah, I think that's that's probably where we are today. So um,
1: So where are we today, Dan?
0: Well, today, uh, I think we're more or less in the same place we've probably been since uh, the last decade. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot more data. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's been a lot of sequencing going on, especially at the JGI and uh, in other places. And um, we have many, many tens, or probably at this point, millions of, of biosynthetic gene clusters. But, oh my um, gosh,
1: millions! That's incredible.
0: So, so they're out there, but we don't have mm-hmm. millions of molecules. So, right. It, in an ideal world, knowing that something could be produced, you know, mm-hmm. you you would be able to find it. But it turns out, you know, like we said, that whole process of, of uh, isolating molecules and purifying them. Um, from you know natural sources or natural cultures, uh, sometimes is very hard, uh, and, and is still not something that we've completely been able to tackle. And so, um, so,
1: so I do want to interject from a more molecular biology perspective. Yeah, like, if it. you have a cluster of genes, why can't you just engineer uh, you know a promoter or or an enhancer or an activator to go ahead and and synthesize those genes within a model organism like E. coli and have it produce the compounds so that you can test them.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so sometimes you can do that. Okay. And, uh, and that's great when you can.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Uh, but there are lots of times when you can't. And so uh-huh. imagine if you had a sequence from a bacterium that um, maybe you uh, had never cultured, that you, mm-hmm. you took a sample from a sponge and you had this sequence. Mm-hmm. uh you know that there's a, a really interesting gene cluster, but you don't have that organism in a in a tube. You don't have mm-hmm. the ability to grow that thing. Mm-hmm. And so all you have is the DNA. Uh, and so uh, in order to access that, probably what you need to do is synthetic biology. Right. Uh, that's synthesizing the DNA that would mm-hmm. be coding for that pathway and putting that into an organism. Right. Um, but... Uh, some of those pathways n- might not be tractable to synthesis. So synthesis mm. uh, is still very expensive and very difficult. Mm-hmm. And it turns okay. out some types of natural product pathways are really difficult to synthesize. So hmm. we've got a picture up here of a, um, of the erythromycin polyketide synthase. Okay. And so you don't need to know what all this is, but uh, if you look at those little squares on the bottom, um, those squares are depictions of uh, do, what are called domains within a larger protein. Mm-hmm. And so each of those domains is sort of like a small protein itself. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are actually pretty large. But uh, they're, they're this particular kind of biosynthetic pathway are these really, really large proteins mm-hmm. that are basically beads on a string of smaller proteins all strung together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And this thing, uh, the, the biosynthesis that happens here is really, really interesting uh, in terms of, of um, well, it's really simple uh, in terms of understanding it because it's an assembly line. Right. You just go down the, the string of beads and each, each bead is doing a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the final product is, is released. Uh, and you've got this molecule called erythromycin, which is a common antibiotic.
1: Yeah, Ford would be very proud.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but it turns out that if you wanted to say synthesize this thing, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, Mm. (laughs) do you
0: you notice anything in particular about those squares, those those domains?
1: Well, uh, so they are. um, Well, there there are a few things. So they're repeated. Um, and it, they're repeated in a similar order, (laughs) um, which I could imagine would be difficult for a sequencer. That's right. Or for a sequencing. Yeah. For um, for synthesis. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. These things are very, very repetitive and those, those, uh, those domains are very, very similar to one another. And so when you synthesize DNA, um, you have to. Uh, use you know a DNA synthesizer that makes smaller pieces of DNA and then you use uh, many small pieces of DNA that all stick to each other in certain ways to Mm -hmm. get sort of built up Mm
2: -hmm. uh, from Mm -hmm.
0: that and so if you've got these repetitive sequences then the DNA gets all jumbled and they get all confused Mm -hmm. and you can't really synthesize the thing that you're trying to synthesize Mm -hmm. and so that so that can be really really tough
1: yeah okay
0: we need more synthetic biology technology, probably, to really be able to access some of the more complex secondary mm-hmm. metabolism systems. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll also say that uh, we don't always know the intimate details biochemically of what's happening. So, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. easy to conceptualize these little domains when you've got them, um, you know, strung out on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. uh, so it looks very clear. But uh, biology is, is not that clean, and so each of those little domains is a little blob of protein that's, you know, wiggling around in the water, and they all come together uh, into this larger structure that we mm-hmm. still don't really know a whole lot about.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: um, understanding the dynamics of this system uh, is complex. Mm-hmm. And so one of the great things that people thought would be really critical to these and has been a big driver for understanding this, is if you've got this assembly line and say, you know, you wanted to make a car that had a, you know, different kind of a door, then mm-hmm. you just take out the part that uh, makes that part of the door and yeah. you stick that on in mm-hmm. an assembly line analogy. But it turns out that's really difficult to do because it is this, mm-hmm. this assembly line, uh, in particular, has evolved over, you know, probably, possibly billions of years. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, is pretty used to the way that the assembly line is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so just our kind of blind way of pulling a piece out that we recognize and sticking another piece in, that usually doesn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. or, or if it does work, uh, it doesn't work as well. And so you produce much less molecule than you were before, because mm-hmm. you've done something with to, to slow the process down. Right. you got like, you know, your, uh, I don't know, your assembly line is maybe not quite aligned right and somebody's got to walk over to the corner and mm-hmm. grab something to bring it. And you, so you slowed everything down by, by introducing these foreign components.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because
0: we still don't quite understand the bigger picture of, of what's going on. We're really just basing this on DNA and not actually on the...
1: The structure of the proteins The structure of the proteins,
0: yeah, the, mm-hmm. the complete system. Mm-hmm. So so there's more to do to understand the systems and mm-hmm. the dynamics of the, the biochemistry that's happening yeah. on, on a protein level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also don't quite always know uh, how these evolve. S- um, we have lots and lots of biosynthetic gene clusters, uh, but we don't always have the connections between them. Uh, we, you, you know, you can imagine a, an analogy to a fossil record, uh, you know, the, we're missing some of the missing links, right? Mm-hmm. We, we don't always see the connections between one system to another system. There should be. I mean, there's some, some evolution that happened, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, bacteria don't leave good fossil records. So mm-hmm. we're reliant mm-hmm. on sequencing organisms that are actually alive and exist. Right. We don't have, <laughs> we can't go back you know, millions of years to find the, the precursor yeah. sequences. Mm-hmm. Those those species are long dead, and if, if that DNA sequence hasn't been carried through exactly the way it was, which it almost certainly hasn't, then we have we have no ability to, to see the connections in the fossil record.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, we don't still have a good idea of how these systems evolve.
1: And we want to be able to better understand how these particular secondary metabolites arose in evolution?
0: Uh, yeah, I think I think the important driver is to imagine um, if let's say you knew you had a molecule mm-hmm. and you knew uh, that if you made this this change, which might be a small change, might be a big change. If you could make this change to the pathway, uh, then you could make a molecule that worked better as a medicine mm. or um, who, who knows, for whatever reason, if better in terms of, uh, you know, utility for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah. Um, and so the, the promise of understanding biosynthesis is that you would maybe be able to make that alteration to mm. an existing pathway to produce a molecule that you want, mm-hmm. uh, that we'd be able to do really complicated synthesis using biological systems. You know, the, the, if, if we had had the fungus that was making the taxol, uh, rather than the tree. Mm-hmm. If we had found that first, it would have been much easier to actually have taxol and not have it be a really expensive uh, drug. Mm-hmm. So, so that's been the promise: is that we can see these systems, we can see how they work. We can't always see how to make the changes to make them do whatever we want them to do, mm-hmm. and that would be that would be really useful in a lot of ways in terms of, of um, you know just being able to harness nature to do complicated chemical reactions for us.
1: Mm -hmm. And if we understood the evolution of these biosynthetic gene clusters better, then we might be able to engineer them in the ways that we want. Exactly. So given those challenges, like where do we go from here? I mean, I know a lot of sequencing is is needed to be able to map that evolutionary tree to better understand these pathways and how they... um, produce these amazing products. But what what else? And what can everybody do?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked. And so uh, the JGI has, as part of its five-year plan, um, the JGI comes out with plans for itself <laughs> over <laughs> like, time. Like
1: a good organization <laughs> like does. Like any
0: good organization <laughs> does. And, and we expect to be around for a long time. And so we, we want to think about what the important things that the JGI could be doing for the future. And so the JGI has decided mm. that secondary metabolism is an important strategic thrust. We think by exploring more aspects of secondary metabolism within our organization, we can develop new technology and, and mm. drive uh, different parts of the organization uh, to do better science.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, yeah, so the JGI is a uh, working on lots of different aspects or, or intends to work on lots of different aspects of secondary metabolism. We, we're, we have drivers to to, uh, we find more biosynthetic gene clusters, and we would do that by sequencing more things and more things that we know produce secondary metabolites that would be of interest.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we want to do more with uh, predicting the products of all of these biosynthetic gene clusters that we've already sequenced and mm-hmm. so uh, you know i've got a large mm-hmm. database of millions of different biosynthetic gene clusters and wow. we don't always know what the the end of the chemistry is we can make some mm-hmm. guesses but we'll have to do some technology development to to try to improve that mm-hmm. um like we talked about uh, some of these things are very repetitive and so that makes actually just the sequencing in the first place difficult to do. Mm. So if we can make more technology, or if we can improve technology for assembly and cloning and expression, we should be able to actually make uh, the chemical products of some of these biosynthetic clusters that mm-hmm. we're interested in, um, and characterize what those molecules actually are and, and then what their their function might be, whether that's in nature mm-hmm. or whether there's some utility for, for humans in any other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that 's what we intend to do, but in order to do that, we need partners and so mm-hmm. uh, the secondary metabolites science program is three people <laughs> 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 we, we use men, a lot of the technology that already exists within the organization in terms of the sequencing and mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and the metabolomics synthetic biology, uh, but we need uh, people from outside the jgi to to come to us with projects that will help us. Uh, actually, drive this this strategic thrust that we're we're interested in doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so w- we need the community, and uh, one of the other great things about secondary metabolism that I have I've always loved about the field is that it involves all aspects of biology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've personally been able to work in genomics, in protein structure, in DNA, uh, you know, synthetic biology, Mm. uh, synthetic chemistry, molecular biology. (laughs) (laughs) So anybody could get involved in this field. Anybody who works in some kind of biological Mm. research has Mm. the opportunity to, uh, you know, use use that research towards secondary metabolism aims. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... um, and, and we need new people. We need new people from outside the field to, to come to us with new technologies and, and uh, new kind of ideas about research that maybe hasn't been done in secondary metabolism before. And that that drives the field forward.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what we're going to be doing with this podcast then is, yeah. is try to find those people in the community, people that we already work with at the JGI in terms of projects that the JGI already has underway. Uh, and also find, you know, the good scientists in the field that we we know of and talk to them about what they think the field needs and what they've done in the past and and maybe what JGI can do to help drive secondary metabolism as a field forward and
1: do more good science. Yeah, it's an ambitious vision, you know, driving a whole field. But I think you're already doing it. Uh, You know, with me, I see just in our discussion today how interesting and vital secondary metabolites are, and it's such a pleasure to be here and be able to discuss this incredible natural diversity that we have at our fingertips. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to learn more and hear more about what JGI and collaborators are discovering.
0: All right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're on board, Alison. <laughs> uh, I hope we can keep you entertained.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm sure you will.
0: <laughs> I'm Dan Udry, and you've been listening to Natural Podcast, a podcast produced by the U.S. Department of Energy Joint Genome Institute, a DOE Office of Science user facility located at Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. You can find links to transcripts, more information on this episode, and our other episodes at naturalprodcast.com. Special thanks, as always, to my co-host, Allison Takamura. If you like Allison and you want to hear more science from her, check out her podcast, Genome Insider. She talks to lots of great scientists outside of secondary metabolism. And if you like what we're doing here, you'll probably enjoy Genome Insider, too. So check it out. My intro and outro music are by Jezar. Please help spread the word by leaving a review of Natural Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you got the podcast. If you have a question or want to give us feedback, tweet us at JGI or to me at Dan Udwary. That's D-A-N-U-D-W-A-R-Y. If you want to record and send us a question that we might play on air, email us at jgi coms that's jgi-comms, at lbl.gov. And because we're a user facility, if you're interested in partnering with us, we want to hear from you. We have projects in genome sequencing, DNA synthesis, transcriptomics, metabolomics, and natural products in plants, fungi, and microorganisms. If you want to collaborate, let us know. Find out more at jgi.doe.gov user-programs. Thanks, and see you next time.